300 well, I men? I thought the most outrageous thing I could do in this lifetime was to have sex with 300 men. So I did it. <laughs> Jerry, it's made me the most famous porn star in America. I mean, I didn't go wrong. I loved it. The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. I am your host, Hollywood Wade. Now, we're coming to you on a Friday, which is a little unusual. We usually drop our episodes on Sunday, but we're doing this for a special reason, which we will get to in just a second. Wrapping up last week, we hope everybody enjoyed the interview with Brian Whitney about his new book, Bad Trips. Uh, What an interesting story that was. And I found out uh, later on that Slava was released from prison, so we're going to try to get him on the show uh, and going forward with that, also his other book, That Cannibal Cop, man, I watched that documentary on HBO and holy cow, that is definitely something you guys need to check out. A really wild and crazy story uh, involving the cannibal cop from New York City. But today we have America's most controversial sex symbol ever on the show. And I was delighted she could stop by. Former adult film actress, former XPW mainstay, former ECW mainstay, and host of her own podcast, Crazy Train with a K, we have Jasmine St. Clair on the show. Now, a lot of people will remember her from the mid-90s. I mean, she was a huge name in the porn industry. She broke the record at the time, has since been broken since then, but at the time, she had the second record for the world's biggest gangbang. Uh, she was on Howard Stern multiple times. She was on Jerry Springer multiple times from that clip you heard in the opener here. Um, just huge, huge name in the nineties. Later on, she got into actual more mainstream type films. Um, she's always stayed busy throughout her whole career. And I mean, very, very smart folks. She speaks, I think five languages. She says, I mean, really, really smart chick, really cool down to earth. We had a blast film in this episode. Hopefully we'll get together and film some more. She had mentioned something about doing like a true crime case and us just kind of going over that i think that'll be fun she really brings a lot to the table and i hope you guys really enjoy this interview here on crime and entertainment folks strap in as we sit down with the infamous jasmine st Clair. ladies and gentlemen welcome back to crime and entertainment now i have here a very very special guest and i'm saying that with a lot of enthusiasm miss jasmine st Clair. Now, if you do not know her, she has got a lot of hats. She is bilingual. She spent some time in the adult film industry. She spent some time in pro wrestling. She dealt stocks. She's got her own podcast. I mean, I probably do better just listening to stuff she don't do. That might be a shorter list. Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And it's five languages, so it's not bilingual, I guess. Yes, five. (laughs) Only five. I want to learn another one, like soon. What all all languages do you speak? I speak French, Portuguese, German, Norwegian, and Spanish. Wow. Now, is that like just something you've picked up along the way? Did you kind of grow up 
learning other languages? How did how did you get to have five? So I've been speaking French since I was like five years old. Um, I went to the Lycée Francais in New York. Uh, then I learned Spanish. I took like Latin when I was 10 years old. And I think that led to um, other languages being pretty simple. Not Norwegian, of course, because Norwegian is like in a class of its own. Same with German. Right. But yeah, then I, I took German in college and um, I took uh, Portuguese when I was younger. And Norwegian I learned when I lived in Norway. So I could understand Swedish and they could understand me. But we just, you know, we can communicate, but just not in the same tongue. But it's like right there. Right. It's a great language. <laughs> so what's your next one you want to learn? Italian? Yeah, how'd you know? I heard you say that in an earlier podcast, but if I've always wanted to learn another language, Italian would be what I wanted to know. Yeah, Italian and maybe Dutch. And Dutch is like baby German, but definitely Italian. Yeah. See, I took Spanish in high school, but I'll be honest, like I was not the most uh a stu- student in high school for anything, really. I done just that bare minimum, and I didn't really learn a whole lot. I I, could, I know like two or three lines in Spanish, and that's it. <laughs> I hope it's the bad words because those it, are super important. It is. I, you got to know what not to say. It, it, yeah. It's not so much as what to say, but just what not to say, <laughs> so you don't get in trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where did you grow up, like as a kid? Because you you got all these languages. Did you grow up in the U.S.? Where where did you come up? I grew up on Mars. No, um, I, I grew up in New York City and London. Like I was traveling since I was like five years old. I go on trips and then um, like I, I'm an only child growing up. So technically my mom would send me uh, to London for the summers to hang out with my um, my cousins. Right. Uh, both of whom I really don't speak to very much these days. Um, anywho. So I yeah. And um, yeah, mostly New York City and London. OK. So now where did you actually went for like to get like a stockbroker's license? How did that happen? Is that kind of what you wanted to drive to or was that just kind of what come along? How did you get in that line of work? See, it's so funny because here you are, you host like a crime and entertainment podcast. So I think you must have heard something about that debacle. I did. I did. I was yeah. going to get there and let you lead into <laughs> it, but I heard a little bit. <laughs> um, so I it's just something I did. Like I wanted to do it was something that made money in that era. And, you know, I just, you know, just something about sugar canes, commodities and a fake commodity. Just it's no big deal. It was only like $3 million, but um, I like nothing really happened to me. I just can't, I could never trade a stock again. Right. So you I lost your easy. license to do that. Right. It's not a big deal anyway, because those guys are douchebags. They're like overgrown <laughs> frat boys. Um, they never really grew up. So, it, it, like I'm not missing much. I'm much rather doing everything I'm doing now, <clears throat> but it's scary. Like well, nowadays, like everyone does insider trading. I don't care what anyone says. Oh yeah. If I tell you to go get EV stocks and this is what they're going for, I could openly say that it's not a problem. And they are, they are pretty good. They're $16 a share right now, <laughs> but uh, I, I just, it was scary because I was really young and I don't know what the hell was going to happen. And yeah. you're like caught up in this web. So what they did was they took all of us like in a net, and then they just started speaking to everyone. And yes, they want you to snitch. And I was instructed to snitch by the person who was running all of this. Um, nothing really happened to me, but most of the money I made from that one, <laughs> it went to my lawyer. <laughs> That's usually how it happens. <laughs> right. I tell you, like the defense is very expensive, but I think like the best and cheap defense nowadays is this book by Judge Herb Doddle. It's called For the People. It has like everything you could possibly want in there from small claims and up. Really? 
Yeah, not quite like that, but he has a lot of good information. And the book, it's like the best $25 you'll ever spend in your life, if that's how much the book is even. Absolutely. I mean, they say that you can't put a price on freedom and that rings true for a reason. Cause I don't know what you're, you know, whatever you're into folks, whatever, if you can find yourself in a jam, I can tell you right now, a paid lawyer is the way to go. Do not depend on a fucking public defender in any way, shape, form. Oh no. They're going to send you up the damn river to burn. You yeah. Know? They don't and give I've a shit them before. Yeah. You know, so they're like the worst of the worst. Cause like <laughs> the day of sentencing came and like, I'm standing there and I'm feeling super bad for the guy in front of me who's dealing with the judge. The judge is getting really pissed off at the woman who is his defense, who she talked like that, like she barely spoke a lick, <laughs> a lick of English. She had frazzled hair. She wasn't put together like a lawyer. She looked like she had her sneakers on in the courtroom and she didn't have like even a sharp suit. And I'm not saying that's everything, but you want to be clean. You want to at least have someone that has a good suit going on or something. Yeah, coming there presentable, looking like you know a yeah. thing or two. <laughs> like Christian, he'd be he'd, be, he'd look as a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were doing this, you were actually when did you become like as far as like the exotic dancer? When did that come about? Because you were kind of doing that at the same time, right? Um, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Now I heard a funny story that you told on one of your podcast you're one of your own podcast is a crazy train uh with a k okay crazy train with a k and we'll put that in our show notes for people that want to go follow that podcast as well but you were talking about guys that i guess are in there and you know most of these guys i'm i'm assuming a lot of guys that go to strip clubs you know they're in there they're trying to show off and they're like hey i want some blow you said you would crush up aspirin and bring it to them and then charge them like a hundred bucks yeah and I mean, and they wouldn't know the difference with it. Well, a, they were probably like higher drunk, already drunk um, and already high. Right. And then secondly, I'm not like, I wasn't, I was never into drugs or anything. So I didn't have someone's freaking number in my damn beeper. So right. uh, I did, I knew who the drug dealers were in the club and I still wouldn't have gotten it from them. Why am I going to split my profit with you? So I just, I claimed I made a phone call. I went to the bathroom because it was payphone, like right by the bathroom wall when they were around. And I just like smashed up the thing with my heel. Uh, I put it in the paper and then I went back. <laughs> and I said, he's on his way. And then I went back and it smashed it again. I did a second pass. You got to do it at least twice. Yeah. Then I went back. I said, okay, he wants like, he said it's like 150, but I'll give it to us for a hundred. <laughs> and did anybody, was anybody the wiser to that? Um, <clears throat> No. <laughs> no i think when you're in that setting like you really don't give a shit like it's kind of like it is what it is it's almost like you're just doing it just to do it you're not looking like it's not like you're outside of that kind of element at your house just wanting to get high for whatever reason it's kind of like you're doing it because it goes with the vibe almost they don't even really care well it was thursdays as well and those people at that time they had credit cards that they could write off to to the um to the stockbroking companies and so forth to those houses. And uh, they didn't, that's when you could write it off back right. then. Now you, you can't, like you could write off like a one or $2,000 um, credit card bill statement. Say you're taking out clients or something. And I don't know, like they got their cash advances somehow. I don't know if it was from the ATM there, but that's how they did it. I mean, they rolled in style and it was all about just drugs and partying for a lot of these people. Cause that's when it was at the height of like glamor with girls right. wearing evening gowns and having hair and makeup on and, you know, having implants. 
like the crap that's in there now, I have no idea who's doing that like quality control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can get pretty rough in, in certain areas. Matter of fact, one of the podcasts you were on, the guy was talking about Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is not too far from me. And yeah. I've been in some down there and uh it's it's not always the best of talent, so to speak. The roster ain't uh ain't hitting on much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun then. I mean, he had a good talent. I think the only time there was one um spectacle is I was working in New York at New York Dolls during the daytime and uh Nunzio was the manager. Some Asian person came in to audition at the lunch crowd. Okay. And it's very crowded then for lunch. Mm -hmm. It got up on stage and he started screaming, get off the damn stage. That's as good as me going up there in a G string. So I guess like a transgender came into audition. Oh, (laughs) didn't go over too well. Yeah. I can imagine not. (laughs) Now was that, that was just like a Thursday that they could do that type of thing. Was that like the one day they could do that and, and write it off? It was usually Thursday when people got paid. Okay. All right. I got. I you. think they could do it any day, really. But that's when I guess that's like tickle me Thursday. I don't know. Right. Just just the day they wanted to get out and they could stay out late. Possibly, it is kind of a weird thing, huh? But it was always on Thursdays. I thought I saw those people. I didn't see it any other day. Okay. Yeah. Um. Did you see the movie uh, Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez? No. That was based on a real story. I remember seeing that. Uh, there was like a documentary on. I don't know if it was American Greed. Or something like that. But it was like a group of of strippers that worked at a certain club. And basically, they would get the, the patrons or the customers like so drunk or so high that they would run their credit cards for like thousands. And Wait a second. They must have stolen that story because we were doing that in the 90s. Oh, I mean, they may have. Y'all just maybe didn't get yeah. caught for it like they did. I don't know. It was like a lot. No, we were just doing that. Then you take the guy's hand. Like I did this many times. You just trick the hand up and just like sign it with yes. like, moving his hand. And so a lot of them like would just be like, holy shit, I did that. And I guess, you know, some of them had wives and didn't even want to battle it. So they would just pay it. And it would just, you know, yeah, you need to check that movie. It's a pretty good movie if you haven't ever seen it. Well, I kind of like. I, I, I guess really if you've like lived it, you don't really need to see it that much. And like being that I actually lived it, I would yeah. never really care to watch the movie. It's, and it's, at that point, it becomes uninteresting to me. Right. I, can but see I know that. that she bashed being in that film saying, oh, I can't believe I had to do that. And that really like just I don't like that. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I guess I can definitely see if you've if you've kind of been there, done that and seeing a movie about it, you would just more or less nitpick everything that was bullshit. I probably throw a soda at the screen or something <laughs> <laughs> when I drink my sodas. But yes. Okay, so out of that, where did you kind of make your transition into the adult film industry? At what point in time was that Um, right after the the bus? From where? Right after like the whole deal with the stocks? Was it kind of soon after? Around then, it was totally my choice. And then, you know, that was such a short-lived moment in my life for like, what, two and a half, three years? Yeah, see, that's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Because like, I remembered you obviously from way back then. And then I followed you since then. But when I actually looked at the time period that you were in the adult film industry, it was very short, very short. It's not like you had a long career, but it's also not because of any fault, but that's all you wanted. You went on to bigger and better things. But when you were in there for that short amount of time, you made a fucking huge impact. 
That was the point. <laughs> yeah. So like when, how was that transition? What, what led you to get into that? I guess would be the, the first question before we get into it. It sounded stuff. like a good idea at the time. Cause that's how all the feature dancers made their money. Right. Uh, the, the ones that were, you, you could be a centerfold, which is great. That's like flavor of the month. But then right. when you go out and, um, and do more, I like the films, it was just be making an impact. So everything there was like always my idea. So um, that's what I did. And it was for not like, I, I don't, I didn't really work that much. Uh, a lot of my scenes got like recycled into compilations and just recycled under a different name, but I didn't do anything like nearly as much as what they said. They might've been like a total of uh, 30, like maybe 40 films in that three year time span. Wow. So, so under 50. So yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. And I, I think I got away with doing a lot, like the least amount of work for the most amount of um, controversy. <laughs> right. So where did the idea of obviously, you know, back in the day, cause I remember seeing this tape, where did the idea for, was it the second gangbang world's biggest gangbang come in? Where did the idea for that come in? You. All right. So, of course. so like, I, I got to ask because back then that's like, I guess we would say cutting edge back then, because when that was done, you had to wait for like, I'm that was just VHS tapes back then. That wasn't even DVD. Was it? Oh God. Yeah. No, that's all. Like, can you believe that? We don't even have VHS. I know because I can remember seeing that tape from a friend of mine's dad who had like a drawer full of it. So when he would leave for work or whatever, we would go pull the drawer open and see it. And I remember seeing that tape, like as a kid, I remember seeing it. How old were you then? Uh, shit. 17 i'm 38 now okay all right well you were younger than that that's crazy yeah i was younger than that yeah i was and then i hope his wife didn't find his, his collection they I, always do at some point i think that i think she knew i think they were pretty uh open <laughs> with their uh exploits in the bedroom <laughs> okay yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> but i remember seeing that tape and back then like there was a waiting period it's not like now where you do something now and you can have it uploaded on the site's in fucking minutes. So I got to ask you, like, that's a lot to put together. People say the world's, that's a lot to put together. Like, how does guys get, how do you fucking sign up for that? Like, how do you get, you got to get screened? You know, I had someone else working for us at the time at that, um, at that specific uh, video company that was handling all of that. But it took a while because you have to understand, like, the whole thing is a smoke and mirrors. Right. Magic trick. The whole thing is the anticipation of that magic trick building up to it. Um. You know, it's all the hoopla, all the press. So people just keep talking. Whether I did that or not, it didn't make a difference. It was talked about enough. Right. And that was the whole thing. Whether it was going to get orchestrated or not was another thing. But I'm, I'm one of these people. It's just like, okay, well, whatever. That's going on. This is going on. All right, cool. So now what? And just keep moving forward. So I don't, I think for someone who was orchestrating this whole thing and going out there and doing the press, I, I mean, I'm pretty well balanced as a person. I like to think irrational somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, someone else handled it with people just sending in applications. You're like putting these, these things out there on every radio show you've gone to Howard Stern, like everyone. Right. And it was surprising enough that, you know, I went back on Stern for all those years afterwards as one of his highest rated guests. Yeah, I remember watching And that's it. when we had terrestrial radio, which is, a, which is a wonderful thing, I feel. It wasn't it great living in a world without, like, cell phones with videos that you could take and, and photos. I mean, 
it's it just was. this whole other world. You know, I, I, whenever I see a video, like a phone up like this, I know someone's probably looking at a text, but like, are they taping you doing something? Like, I just want to smack it out of their hand. You're right. I mean, it's, it's got us good points because it can help people like launch their own brand and put it out there. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's so much bad that comes along with it is I miss the way it was back in the day. Like I miss the anticipation or for something coming out. Like I knew something was coming out. We'll get into wrestling a little bit later. I think I heard you say like one of the first wrestling matches you ever went to was WrestleMania six with the warrior and Hogan (laughs) with Hulk and the ultimate warrior. Exactly. So I remember like I wasn't, my grandma wouldn't buy me the damn pay-per-view. So I had to wait for it to come out in VHS to go get. So that anticipation added to it. Now there's no anticipation. It's on a fucking app or, you know, it's all over YouTube the next day. So it kind of takes away the waiting game, which I think was a lot to do back then. Like that anticipation would drive more people to it, you know, in in certain ways. Yeah. Even like with this, I get it. It helps people launch brands, but what is the brand you're launching? I mean, it's so much crap and nonsense out there. And, um, there's got to be a way around it because people are just taping people. And to me, that's it's supposed to be illegal to do that without yes. their consent and putting it out there. But no one ever checks or monitors that on YouTube. And anyone, you know, obviously can sign anyone else's name on something. So it's um, it's not OK. Like, there's got to be some way to monitor that, whether it's the person holding a photo of their ID, mm-hmm. authorizing XYZ person to utilize their stuff. But I understand what you're saying. It's a great way to monetize things, but then get get your own video camera and like, I don't know, set it up like Gary did in that Gary um apology video. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that. Remember that? Yes, I do. That was so creepy. <laughs> that, and I mean, like, I think it would have been so cool to come up in that area of like Studio 54 with yeah. under Steve Rebell. So you go in there, you don't have to, you didn't have to worry about any of that shit. I mean, you went in there, there was people doing blow. I mean, yeah. just whatever the fuck they wanted. And it was in there, people doing ecstasy. I mean, whatever. And you didn't have to worry about that shit. Yeah. I was in studio 54 later when it was called the Ritz and they had heavy metal shows there. So I right. saw like overkill metal church wasp. I saw kiss there Yngwie Malmsteen played there. Um, I went to a lot of really good concerts there. So it's I didn't know that what it was before, right. but it was an amazing place to go to concerts, to metal shows specifically, because we didn't have a lot of venues there then that did um, shows like that. What about the Viper Room? Did you ever go to anything out there? Yeah, I went to a couple. It's a really small venue to yeah. go to, to the Viper Room. I've, I've, done a few, I've just been to shows there, a couple. Uh, the bigger ones usually at the Whiskey or at the House of Blues when that was actually a cool when it was around. Right. E Club before it became whatever it is now, One Oak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just there are not that many great shows that come here in smaller venues. I'm writing a show right now about the Viper Room and like that's a hell of a rabbit hole from its yeah. beginning to you know what it went through with Depp and Anthony Fox to what it went through after that with Molly Bloom. Like I just kept writing and kept writing. And I'm like, this is might be like a two-parter or maybe even like a, a small series or something to put all yeah. the information in there. Cause this it's a lot. And that kind of, I felt a little bit of a studio 54 vibe because you know, it was very small. I don't think if I'm not mistaken, there was like no windows and it was like paparazzi was banned. Obviously they were on the outside filming you going in, but they wasn't having none of that shit in there. Like it was once you were in there, you were kind of in there and, and, you know, all bets are off, so to speak. Yeah. Like I, I knew a bartender there and then, um, wasn't the guy from, um, the fucking, uh, the singer, uh, 
Counting Crows. He he bartended there. Did he? I didn't know because I wasn't a, a yeah. fan. Uh, but I I knew a few other people who just bartending there now and again. And I just I'd been to some things there, but it wasn't like my uh, it wasn't like my go to hangout. It was always the Rainbow Bar and Grill because I my bartender, my barmaid is there. She's really awesome. And she's been there for years. But that place has changed, too. It's just so much on that strip has changed. But there is so much history, which I feel is now just pulled off and like stripped away as you have see bulldozers tearing down for what hotels yeah. really yeah you know they're airbnbs all over the place you know it's all yeah. about that dollar now man they're putting the hotels up left and right they're just tearing down the landmarks it's it's, it's sad yeah. to see a lot of this stuff go um so you know back to the adult film industry you come in you do that you made a lot of noise so to speak you pr- did you didn't really gain a lot of friends in the industry did you in your in your in that time? And I don't think you wanted to either. You just no, wanted to come in and do your thing. Yeah, I'm like whatever. Um, you know, I speak to a few people still that are actually smart people and not idiots, like Tara or like a few of them. But I just, I, uh, you know, I. That's the type of thing where you just can't be too concerned about it with anything, really. Right. Um, you know, friends don't equate money. Exactly. No, you're exactly like, right. There for you, like your own purpose. Well, let's say you're working as Mr. Olympia or you want to be Mr. Olympia. You could be you could have acquaintances, but you don't necessarily have to have friends because they, they're not the ones that pay your bills at the end of the day when you're out there trying to do things for yourself. I know that sounds horrible and crass. Um, am I friends with a lot of people that I work with now with the podcasting and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Am I friends with other actors or people that I met in acting classes? hundred percent. But then again, you know, it's a different grade of people you're dealing with a way different right. quality. Right. You're not dealing with people that have um, drug addictions all the time or can't do anything better with their lives um, or just that whole mentality of just the. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so after that was done, how long did, were you in the adult industry after that one? Two years. Two years after that. So obviously, I, I met up with Rob Black and then I got into XPW that way. Right. And that was a, about what I was getting ready to segue into. But I do have one question. When yeah. you set that number, what signifies like, you know, that that was a one? Like, does the guy only get a certain time limit? Does he uh, have to finish? What is the No, that the was count? just that. It's, it's all it's everything is timing. Everything timing is timing. Like whatever you decide, like these are your rules. This is your thing. You. So what was your decision? You tell people. Yeah, I mean. And that was that. It was just, it's just like I said, it's like a, it was a big smoke and mirror show. And whether people buy things or not is another thing. Like you go to a magic show and you see someone disappear. You don't know how the trick's done, but it's done. Right. And the, you know, you, you may never know the secret. You may never know, if, you know, with the, with the artistry of looping and stuff, you just never know the truth. Correct. You, know, you don't know what narrative I put out there. It's kind exactly. of like with OJ Simpson, they put the narrative out there. If the glove did not fit, you must have quit. You don't know really. If he did it or was it his, his son? That's what I was going to say. I have always thought, and I heard you say that in a podcast. I forgot which one, but I have <laughs> always thought that it was his son that did that. That's why the DNA matched, but nothing else matched. Yeah. And you're not going to snitch out your son. Correct. Um, He's got the money to, to hire a legal team to try to fight it yeah. and beat it, which he did. But at the same time, if it's like, Hey, if I got to go do this bit for my son, I'll do it for my son. So I think, I swear I'm with you 100% on that. I think the son flipped out, did it. The dad come and was like, you know what? 
you beat it. I'll handle it. I'm OJ Simpson. I can beat it quicker than you can. It was crazy, you know, and I met him after that whole thing. It was really nice. Um, it's the, you, you want, you have to always look at these things from so many different sides, you know, and a jury has to find it through, um, you know, reasonable doubt. Yeah. There are a lot of crimes that will go unpunished in this world that are violent crimes, but then there are also the crimes that it's just so obvious, like Christian, for example, doing a mano negro, the book. Yeah. It's like, he openly admits these bodies are here and there. You need, you don't know where the rest are, but I watch enough of these crime docu-series. I get so intertwined. And then I know you watch the same things. Oh, yeah. Like Mindhunter and all these other real shows. And it's scary. Like what goes on out there, these missing kids. Sometimes it's the parents that did it. And they feel guilty, like that one little girl who was missing in Portugal. I still think the parents did it somehow. Oh, yeah. Because uh, they're um, out there drinking with their friends. Yeah, yeah. Maddie, I think was her name. Yeah, yeah, Maddie. She, she had like the distinctive uh, mark in her eyeball there on the pictures. It was uh, something, It was a, they called it a certain, it was like a birth defect type thing, but it was like a certain kind of mark on her eyeball. I remember that case very well. And I want to say that they even... They linked like a, a rental car or something like that with some DNA in it at some point, but they've still never made any arrests with that. But I'm like you, they had to, that, that's a lot of fishiness going on with that case. It is. And I don't know, like if the mother got mad or someone, but I think that I know that they were giving her um, sleep things to sleep with so she could yes. sleep while they were out partying and doing whatever on their adult trip when it might've been just easier to have brought like a grandparent along on the trip to just sit in and watch yeah, somebody you know, sit and watch. Child. But I don't think that, um, I don't think the whole truth is there because I've never seen people. So, so, so show such guilt afterwards, uh, you know, by doing all this stuff and investing all this money and getting people behind them to find her. She's not coming back. No face closed and only they know where she is. But I will say this, the police did very sloppy work in the fact that they did not get on that right away. Mm-hmm. And that same thing in Spain with the other family, with the daughter that was murdered. And then they blamed this lesbian lover of the mother and it wasn't her. And there were so many other po- things that pointed away from her. So it's very sloppy detective work, which brings me back to my thing. It's a lot of um, everything is smoke and mirrors in life. Correct. So I think people get caught up in these moments of adrenaline, like when you watch something like a film and then you're just like thinking, Oh wow. But you're really not, you're really not watching what's going on. Yeah. It's, you're so caught up with all the, you got it over here, but it's the actions really happening over here. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Your magic tricks, all this is going on here, but something else is going on there. There's a case, (laughs) there's a case that it was my very first podcast ever. It's probably not my best work because I was a little drunk because I was a little nervous, but it was the very first one I ever did. And it was called the boys on the tracks. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it was two boys that was put on a train track in Arkansas and the Mm -hmm. train run over them. Now they had the medical examiner saying that they had gotten high and passed out on the tracks and didn't hear the train coming, and they had smoked 14, he called them marijuana cigarettes. Now, I'm not going to say that I have or have not smoked me a, a, a doobie in the debt, but I've never smoked four fucking teen. I don't know anybody who smoked 14 in one sitting. That's a lot. That's a lot of marijuana cigarettes. But How old were they? They were like 14, 15. They were young. They were young kids. Okay. But the problem was, once the medical team and everybody went there, the blood was like, I think coagulated is the word. It had been dried. So what had actually happened was those kids were beat to death 
put on the train tracks to try to cover it up. And what happened was they stumbled upon a drug drop that was uh, uh, occupied by like the head of the police there at the time, who's later since became a judge. And this was tied all the way up to Bill Clinton because he was the then time governor of Arkansas. And like the medical examiner was covering up all kinds of shit and he was linked in to helping Bill Clinton's mom get off of a malpractice suit when she overdosed somebody as a nurse and killed him. I mean, it's like web after root after web. It's crazy. It's a crazy story, but it's all true. It's all documented and it is nuts. Like it's tied in with the movie American Made with Tom Cruise, where he was driving, he was smuggling the drugs, the cocaine. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Barry Seal. What's his name? His drug drop was in there. Like he's tied in with that. It was. It's crazy, and I, I don't know how like a movie's never been made of it. But you know, you can Google that that podcast. It'll come it? up. It's called The Boys on the Tracks. Well, I'll tell you why there wasn't a movie made of it. And you sort of you answered your own question. Before yeah, with the Bill Clinton. With the Clintons. Yeah. yeah. Anything the Clintons are involved in, do you really think that they're going to somehow point a finger up there? Right. You know, they're not going to. It's the Clintons for crying out loud. And I did hear something about this, but it got brushed under the carpet, sort of like this other thing going on now. But with uh, what was it? The uh, the Hillary thing with the the investigations, whenever yeah. it comes to them, it's going to get brushed. The there was more stuff, to yeah. it than that. I don't believe that those boys took drugs, sort of like with the West Memphis three. Exactly. Just, I think the stepfather did it. Then he pinned it on those poor kids. And, yep. you know, they can't even sue the governor or they can't sue the government there because of the or, deal or they took was running stuff. They can't. And they should be able to because they took away their youth and their childhood and, yeah. and they will never have normal lives. They took the Alfred plea. And what that Alfred plea is, is a way to for the, the government or the state to cover their ass because it's admitting that it's guilt, but not enough to charge. So all they want to do is get out of fucking prison. Like they knew they didn't do it. They wanted to get, they'd sign any fucking deal you gave them if they get out of prison and it covers their ass from not being sued or countersued because they fucked up that case so much. And that that's what about the staircase. He, he done the same thing. He signed the Alfred plea. When the you sign that, the guy with the wife. Yeah. The, yeah. The they went down. I forgot his name. Um, is it Peterson? Peterson. John Peterson. I think was his name. Yeah. John, not Scott Peterson. Oh. Yeah. John Peterson. Right. Yes. When he got locked up, he signed the Alfred plea also. And what that does is that basically gets you out of jail but it's still admitting that there's evidence that you could have been charged. So you can't go back and like, you know, accuse or sue for false accusation, basically. So it lets you out, but it, it gives them that clearance to where they don't come back and sue you. Wow. Yeah. So well, that's why like none of them kids can disgusting. come back and do that. It's all like screwed up. Cause you see some of these shows and you see the prosecution and how like ridiculous they're, they're doing their do things and how the law just really, is bent so bad that you will not get a fair trial. Exactly. You know? You're 100% right. Did and you I think that it's good that they put out shows like that? Did you see things going on, you know, and, and I, maybe, maybe hopefully it helps with the justice system a lot better into, you know, taking care of things like that when there are murders involved in people's lives. I don't really believe in the death penalty because there are a lot of people there that shouldn't even be there that have yeah. no business and no right to be there. You're absolutely um, correct. You know, sometimes you make you could get accused of being a pedophile and it's not you, but it's someone that would look like you that was there. And I know they don't take very well to people like that, uh, you know, since Gavin since in California, since they released a bunch of pedophiles in the street from the jails. I mean, they're not really welcome around here in this neighborhood right. uh, 
or in a lock for that matter. They, you know, we have our own ways of dealing with them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, getting back to your question with my whole thing, it's all, everything's smoke and mirrors because you have action here, action there, and you just don't know. It's like one big world thing. But to answer your question was all timing, okay. all time, like five, three to five minutes or whatever. But the thing is, you, um, because <clears throat> I heard you say one time you could be like, no, dude, you got to hurry up. You got to line. You got to get Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I got better things to do, like my nails or something. But, uh, <laughs> You know, everything just goes on so fast, no matter what it is that you're doing. And it's just things, you know, you get lost in your own time and your own like day going on. And, you know, considering like that was like a day's, uh, you know, my investment of my time, it's done so much. But the thing is, I don't think that uh, I think like nowadays people don't even believe like that, like that whole thing and that whole era of anything. And um even when you tell them about like how the Springers and the Stearns were, no one believes it until they actually see it right. for themselves. Because Stern, I mean, he's great. He was very influential. He was very, um, he was a big deal and he was very helpful in my career. He did a lot for me. Uh, I've not been on his show since he's been on Sirius. Um, right. I don't feel as, I, I don't know how to, it's not as taboo as it used to be because he was on the air doing things you should not be doing, like having right. girls take off their tops and having these bikini contests and stuff like that. It was great. Straddling the speakers and shit. Like that was like, <laughs> that was, that was cutting edge way before it's time. Yeah. Stuff like that. Now you talked about after you made your, and by the way, was that whole ordeal? Was that profitable? Was that pretty profitable? Was that a good decision or do you? Yeah. It's like in down the line. Yeah. In many ways. Okay. So, I mean, like you said, it, it led to the Howard Stern, which obviously led to a lot of exposure. Um, oh Yeah. Then you get me mixed up with Rob Black and his. Now, were you doing just adult films in the beginning? I like how you said you get mixed up with. That just sounds like he's such bad company. Hold on. I'm going to let this street cleaning car. What is that? It's a street cleaning truck. Hang on. It's a street sweeper. <laughs> now, if they could do that. Every two hours to all the vagrants and the <laughs> criminals in the street, it'd be so much cleaner. Um, yes. Anyway, so I got mixed up with him. I, uh, I, I, you know, I just, um, I knew that he was looking to speak to me. So I had set up um, a lunch with him and okay. I'd gone down there. He was very much a character. Yes, yes. <laughs> he still is, but he's a tame, he, he's a more tame character, I'd say, these days. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, a little bit of jail thing. time will do that to I had no idea you. he was going to do anything with wrestling. I had no idea about anything with that. And I, I just, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, you know, whatever happens, que sera, sera. You know, what will be, will be. Uh, then about a year into the contract, like eight months of working there, he said he was doing something with ECW wrestling. Mm -hmm. And this is before he started XPW. So I met the, the Dudley boys. Yep. And then when I was back East, they had me do promos for the living dangerously pay-per-view. And then they brought me into the pay-per-view. Like Rob paid for my ticket out there and everything. Um, you know, they were there. Uh, yeah. They were asking a few things about how things were backstage, but I think they knew what it was like backstage there. Then like a few months later, poof, there's XPW wrestling. I'm like, oh, this is cool. But I really liked ECW. Um, I'd stayed in touch with uh the with Bubba. Bubba Ray? Yeah, and Paul. And um XPW started. So there I was. 
And I really liked it a lot, but things were a lot different. Like Rob was a way different person then. And he was a very young person who was doing a lot for himself. And a lot of people wanted some part of him. And it was just, you know, to have something to do with what he was doing. It it could get nerve wracking. Um, He changed a lot. So I just jumped ship. But I I mean, I owe owe him that much because he was the beginning of my ending in that whole industry. And it was, you know, I'm grateful to him for that. And, uh, you know, I took a lot of wrestling classes on my own, Okay, which is fun. So now I, and I spoke to you last night about this. I'm a big dark side of the ring. I'm a big wrestling fan in general. Like I've been a wrestling fan since I was young. Like when I was coming up, Hulk Hogan was the guy, like probably the big first pay-per-view was probably WrestleMania three, him and the giant. And I've been watching ever since. Now, probably not so much the last 10 or 15 years or so. I would say probably when the attitude era ended was kind of when I lost interest. Um, I'll still watch it every now and again. Like I'm a big fan of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view and obviously I check out the WrestleManias, um, cause that's kind of like the Super Bowl of wrestling, but I was always a big fan and I love the dark side of the rings. I did not watch that one on XPW, but I did last night. Holy shit. That had to be like one wild ride. Were you there for like a long period of time or was it like a short period of time? Because some of the shit that went on there was crazy. I was there, um, let's see, I threw the fireball, let's see, uh, the flame. I, it was like ECW on steroids. So anything right. they did, I'd, you know, I'd been, I'd seen it in ECW. I would say it was, uh, oh, let's see. Um, like seven months. Seven months. Okay. Cause see, seven months. they said like what started that rivalry was Rob and Paul were supposed to kind of work together And then when Paul got picked up to go his show, wherever it was, that kind of pissed Rob off. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do what you do, but do it better and more extreme. Hence you have XPW. I don't know what the falling out was. I was just the person in the middle and I just wanted to leave there because I don't want to do those films. And then I just wanted to wrestle. I knew that would not fit that narrative that he wanted. So I just gone off. Um, and, you know, I worked for ECW. I was working for Jerry Lawler, uh, Jerry Lawler in Memphis. In Memphis, I did yes. quite a, Yeah, for um, MCW, for Terry Golden. That mm-hmm. was his name. And uh, then I was doing a lot of indie shows as well in between. And then I, you know, I popped up in ECW. Now, Memphis <laughs> is a huge deal. Places. I mean, Jerry Lawler's a god in Memphis. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people might, you know, normally recognize him as the king of commentary with him and Jim Ross through the WWE years. But in Memphis, Jerry Lawler is like, you know, he he is a god in Memphis. That's just no question. He's been a main staple there for years. So to do that with him is great. We had the godfather, Charles Wright, on the show. And he talked about um, the first match that he ever did. He fought Jerry in Memphis, and Jerry put him over. Like oh, that's really? yes, that's a huge oh, deal to go big. over on Jerry and going Very over, humble. going over for the fans that don't know this watching the show going over means you lose, you put the other person over and for Jerry Lawler to put somebody over in Memphis, that's, that's a big deal. He doesn't typically lose in Memphis. So that's, that was a huge deal for him. And obviously it worked out well. Charles had a great career with, you yeah. know, Papa Shango and common. And he kind of came on to his own in the Godfather gimmick. Cause that was more or less who he was, but, so that's cool. I mean, you make that transition because for people that don't know that whole story, 
you know, Rob Black, he started XPW, but at the same time, he was running adult films, so it was kind of running hand in hand. And in that documentary, the guy was saying, like, it was nothing for him to walk in to be going to the ring and seeing, like, a scene of a porn video being shot over there to the left as he's walking back. He said it was like a girl in a Statue of Liberty mask with, like, guys with president's mask and they were all having like a threesome as he's walking back to go wrestling to the ring. So that had to be a crazy ass atmosphere. Um, ECW probably not quite as crazy, but still crazy. (laughs) I would imagine. It was crazy, but not like that. That's yeah. That's yeah. That's a whole other thing. It's like a whole other animal. I just, um, he mixed the two and I didn't want to mix the two. So I just stayed out of it. Right. And, you know, went about my merry way because I was happier that way too. Yeah. Um, You know, it was a fun ride for sure. There was a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, just working with Rob, it was fun. Um, I remember going to the Brazilian embassy with him and he was so loud. I don't know what he said to the woman, but she got pissed off and she told him she wasn't going to talk to him, but he's an asshole. <laughs> but he's he's turned a new leaf. And I'll say one thing about Rob. He's always been a really creative person. And I think that his, his talent lays, his his talent lies outside of that whole industry with entertainment. And if he wanted to go shoot like a regular film, um, he could do that. He could be as good as, or even better than Rob Zombie. Right. And that's the truth. And, you know, I hope he does do stuff like that. He's really, he's a smart person. He's got a great sense for business more than anything else. And, with them coming back in April 9th to do this death match, it's it's going to be big. I think uh, like it's on Fight TV if any mm-hmm. can't be in California. Um, it's going to be awesome. Who's going to be I'm in the really death match? I'm really happy for him. Who's in the death match? Do you know? Um, Necro Butcher is in it so far and a bunch of other like indie talent we have. I haven't really like gone through the whole card. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working that day. Uh, let's see. So they just have a core following like tickets. I know that a lot of the ringside seats are almost gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. Like I know when I left, they were going into the whole height of other things with like people jumping off scaffolding. Like I've seen that before. Right. You know, I've seen IV started on people in the ring before I've seen all kinds of crap. Um, like, were you there when new Jack be- threw uh, Grimes off that transit. damn scaffold? <laughs> Well, now he did the mass transit, but he also threw Vic Grimes off that scaffold in XPW. I know. I saw that. You Were you there for that? Nope. I just heard about it. Holy shit. That was a long way down. <laughs> but I don't think Dark Side of the Ring really portrayed Rob in the best light ever. I mean, it, it, the company is run was Advice TV. Um, they're fascinated with pop culture and anything that could sell tickets and people like a train wreck. You know, you see like five bodies laying there on the street. You know, you're going to stop and look, even if yeah. you get grossed out by blood. So you're going to stop and look. And yeah. that's that's what these were, you know. And that's what um, New Jack was. I mean, rest in peace to him. He's passed sad. away now. So, you know, don't have any harsh words to say about him. But, yeah, the mass transit and, you know, throwing big grimes off. He just, he didn't give a fuck. I mean, it was what it was. You got what you paid for with New Jack for sure. I well, mean, with the, um, in his defense, like with mass transit, that guy, first of all, he lied about it. He lied. Age. Yeah. He lied about Secondly, a lot. He came into the back and he wanted to go over and he told everyone that. Yeah. In the backstage, oh, I want to go over. This is my hometown. And then he like lights up a cigarette. Like, dude, you, you kidding me? So when it, you know, to go in with new Jack, I mean, that's just signing a death warrant. Yeah. That's also someone that had like justifiable homicides because he did bounty hunting. A few of them, I think. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's normal to do that with bounty hunting, I right. guess, right? I don't know. I don't know any well, bounty hunting. I don't know if it's dogs. normal, but I know it's uh, it's not abnormal. I'll put it like that. <laughs> Why, were you a bounty hunter? No, I was not. I've never been a bounty hunter. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. Probably not quite as glamorous as the way Dog put it out there. <laughs> no, I mean, he had his show for a while. I don't think he ever had to clip nobody, but... If you watch New Jack in the ring, I can see where he damn near killed a couple people in the ring. So I can see if he's trying to capture you for money, like it wouldn't be too much for him to just go ahead and do whatever he's got to do. Right. Except he doesn't have a mullet like dogs. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have the mullet. (laughs) I actually met New Jack. Um, There was a, uh, a convention that they have every year in North Carolina in a town called, uh, where the hell is that? Uh, I can't even remember the damn town right now. It's in North Carolina. They have it right after Thanksgiving. They call it Russell Cade. Winston Salem. Winston Salem. Oh, you've been there? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's right after um uh Thanksgiving. It's called Russell Cade. And me and my son I took my son up there because he was a, a fan of wrestling at the time. And we had like the whole weekend pass. So we go on Friday. They had like a little event. And then we went, went to the seafood restaurant. And I'm sitting in there and New Jack comes in with his girlfriend. He's on a crutch. I don't know what he had hurt or surgery or something. So he sits like to the left of me and I'm speaking to him. You know, he's speaking back. I'm not bothering him because I know he's eating with his, his girlfriend or wife or whoever it was. And then after that, in comes Joel Gertner and his wife and he's sitting to the right of me. So I'm just like, <laughs> my son don't know these people because ECW is way before his time. He's like yeah. 10 years old. And I'm just like, dude, you got no idea how cool this is. I got New Jack to my left. I got, you know, uh, the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner to my right. Like it was really cool. And they were all cool. We talked with him and he's like, have your son seen any ECWs? And I'm like, not yet. He probably will, but not yet. Especially your shit. Like all the stuff that you say. <laughs> well, I think that now with XPW coming back, I think it's, there's a huge demand for it and there is a market for it. Um, AEW came up really fast, like too soon. I yes. feel they're a great league. Um, and, and that would kind of be like where that WCW thing fit in. Mm-hmm. Then you have NWA TNA. That's, you know, combination, but then you have XPW and that will be there to suffice the thirst of the um the average hardcore wrestling fan wwe i mean i don't even know where like what that is or where that's going i it's not what it was and no i think they've done way too much with it and not for the best i stopped watching it after the attitude era as well yeah i'm like that attitude era to me you had the nwo and wcw then you had Shawn michaels the rock stone cold and wwe that was like to me the best time to be a wrestling fan. I mean, they were pushing the envelope with the DX and the suckets and the drinking beer. I mean, it was pushed to the envelope every week and it was fucking must see TV. I mean, you were wearing your remote out. At least I was back with the return flipping back and forth. It was hard to pick which one to watch. And by the way, while we're doing this episode, I know it might air a little bit later, but I want to go ahead and say rest in peace to Scott Hall. Um, Sad, sad passing, Uh, a great athlete, uh, you know, I know he had his demons, but who doesn't? And, you know, what he did in the ring will probably never be duplicated. Definitely a trendsetter with what he did with NWO. I mean, that was cutting edge at the time. It set, you know, laid the groundwork for a lot of these other factions. I mean, you had like your four horsemen, your free birds before that, but NWO was just a different breed. And what a fantastic athlete he was. And, you know, our condolences here at Crime and Entertainment out to him and all of his family. I know his son's in the business. So, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers out to all of them. Did you ever get a chance to meet Scott? 
many times. He was really nice. I was drinking with him the last time a year ago, a year and a half ago, we were, we were having some drinks. I think I was drinking more, but um, he was getting his life together. He was. You know? And he was just a good person. He was really nice. Uh, he was in no way, shape or form belligerent. And I, it's really one of those things where, because you had these surgeries, I don't understand why they didn't try to stand him up, at least after the surgery, have someone there, like a couple of people to stand him up. So the blood would start moving and not just sit there stagnantly. Right. You know, I was speaking to a nurse friend of mine about that. She's like, well, they, they got to get up and walk around or someone's got to get up and let them move mm-hmm. or just do something because when the blood sits there, that's how you get blood clots. Right. So she's a pretty good nurse too. So I, it's really sad. And it's like, you hear about all these things like great people and, you know, heavy metal passing like Lemmy, Jeff Hammond. Yeah. And then you have this with Scott Hall, you have new Jack, you know, why can't I feel like one of the Kardashians or like Justin Bieber, <laughs> like someone useless like that, that brings like nothing or like machine gun Kelly. Um, one of them, you know, uh, no, I agree hundred percent. I'm just, I'm, it's funny. I mean, you, you what, think it, but I just say it. I get it. Yeah. No. Well, that's what a lot of people think. And I think it would, would be scared to say it, but the fact that you say it is fucking awesome. And I love it. What is scary about saying it? Cause it's, you know, a lot of us think it. Exactly. No, everybody thinks it. No. People are so fucking scared in today's <laughs> time. And you have the cancel culture of everything. If you say the wrong thing, I'm like, look, I ain't big enough yet to be cancel culture. So I don't give a shit. You can dig this up. If I'm famous 15 years from now and you dig this clip up, I'll deal with it in 15 years. Who gives a shit? But right now, I've said a lot of things, believe me. And if you really think about some of the things I've said, it actually makes sense. as if you have common sense. They all make sense. And that's why I was fascinated with a lot of the interviews that I'd heard from you. And I was like, she would be perfect on the show because she don't pull no punches. She tells it like it is. She doesn't give a shit. She doesn't apologize. And the fact that you're like, you were in all these different things. You came in, you, you done your thing. You made your mark, you left, you moved on and you kept doing it. You know, and the fact that you went into wrestling because you're a wrestling fan when you're younger, like, was that kind of all, was that ever something you just said, Hey, I would want to get into, or did it just kind of happen after you met Rob Black? It just happened. Just it's, happened. It's nothing like I just knew when I was younger. So I wanted to, um, to, to be a vet. I think we all want to be a veterinarian when right. we're kids, <laughs> but then I don't want to like cut open an animal or do euthanasia and all that. So, um, then I wanted to get into entertainment and politics. So <laughs> 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 Look at me years later. Yeah, uh, I know. So then I'm starting um, a radio show. It's, it's a judge that already has a radio show. So he wanted someone that's a little bit more of a conservative voice on it. Right. And, uh, you know, he's moderate. And then we have different guests on there. And he's a very famous judge who did that book. We the people uh, for the people. OK, so, you know, we'll have different people on there, like Roger Stone's been on there already. Um, we've had this uh, Ukrainian playmate. We took all kinds of people. So that's the next thing I'm hopping on board with. <laughs> and you got your own podcast. We talked about that earlier, but we'll plug it one more time. Crazy train with a K. How is that going for you? Are you liking it? Yeah, it's been fun. It's like the last thing I thought I'd do because everyone has a freaking podcast, but I had a one woman show prior to the pandemic, which I'm putting back out again this year. Right. And uh, I thought it was a really great way to build up awareness and to get in that younger crowd of kids that listen to podcasts. Because when you're at the gym, people are listening to the podcast. They're not listening to heavy metal on those earbuds. I listen to that. Um, I like to listen to, you know, 
a podcast when I'm outside walking, maybe. Mm-hmm. But when you see someone laughing to themselves and not talking, they're listening to something. Yeah. And it's been fun. I've met some really interesting people so far. I've reconnected with new uh, older friends. Um, so I really like it. And it's like every Wednesday it comes out. So it's crazy train with Jasmine St. Clair, uh, crazy with a K. And um, it's been a lot of fun. Like I, I, I take it as a gift, really a really great gift I got from uh you know, my management to do this and to be able to have that type of outlet. I know I can't go too crazy. (laughs) Well, yes, I can. Um, It just (laughs) depends who the guest is. I would like to get like Kimberly Guilfoyle on one day or um, the MyPillow guy. Uh, Who else? I don't know. It's like, I I like different people that have different life stories. And, you know, I like his book quite a bit. Uh, Then I had someone else on um, who had a book, this guy, Corey Hilton, who was like a male stripper who dealt with addiction and all these things and just how it somehow tapped into his own vulnerability later on in life. And now he's like finding himself. So I just, I have everyone on there from comedians to actors. Mr. Skin was on there. Yep. I seen um, everyone. And that's kind of like, you know, how we did here because originally I was going to do a true crime, but there's yeah. so many true crime podcasts and to do like a really, really good one. It takes a shitload of work, especially if you're not familiar with the case and you're not in the area to get documents, to put out stuff that people ain't already. There's a ton of good true crime podcasts out there. So that's why I kind of mix crime and entertainment, because I can I can talk about the cases that I want to talk about. But then I mix in the entertainment portion of it. And I've done interviews with Lilo Brancato, who was in a Bronx tale. You know, he was an actor. He was in Sopranos. Then he done a little stint in jail. I've done people with guys that, you know, rob banks and, you know, were drug smugglers, drug dealers. I've done one with mob guys. So it's, it's across the board and you get to talk to all these people and, you know, get how things were when they were doing what they were doing, you know, what they learned, you know, why they had to go to prison some longer than others, um, all types of stories. And it's just really cool to be able to do this and, and talk to people and find out different things as well as, you know, getting to do this interview right now. I think it's cool that, you know, you had that passion for wrestling. You went through other things, then you pursued that. And now you're going on other stuff. It's just, it's really cool to be able to talk to people and get their experiences about stuff. Cause like I said, I'm a huge wrestling fan. And back in the day, you know, I think I've heard you talk about, you know, you had like Miss Elizabeth and Sherry Martell. They were like the two women of wrestling for a long time. And there wasn't a whole lot of other people. Then you started getting, you know, I know there was like, Wendy Richter and stuff like that. But when I was in it, you had Miss Elizabeth with the Macho Man and, and Sherry just kind of bounced with whoever they put her with. Then you had Luna Vachon. And now that's kind of went all the way to now the women's division is, you know, probably just as popular as the men's. I mean, Charlotte Flair is at the top of her game. You got Ronda Rousey now entering the fold. So women's wrestling has definitely came a long way. Where do you think? you know, things sit with the landscape of women wrestling. Are you happy with the way it is or did you prefer it a little bit more when it was kind of scaled back and you got it in pieces? I think it was more fun when it was scaled back and you got it in pieces and it meant for, went more for the girls Yeah, and they were focused on more like jazz was one of the best wrestlers of all time. The best women wrestlers who I didn't think was used properly by the WWE. Like if you had less women wrestling matches, it just, I think they've just blown this whole whatever narrative they're trying to push out of the water, like too much, because you can't keep track of who it is. It was more special when you just had like Lita, you had Sable, you had Luna, you had the Jazzes, you had the China, you had, um, you know, this one and that one, but now it's just like so many out there. It's like, it's a run of the mill thing and you can't even keep track of who these people are. 
Uh, I like, I, I hope they scale it back again and have more female managers in there as well. And, you know, bring that aspect back to it. Cause that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I and it's just WWE is where I see this with, it's not with like anyone else per se, uh, you know, XPW. I know for a fact, there are a couple of women wrestlers, but you have managers there too. And right. that, I think that's what old school wrestling is. And people like that. And, you know, you don't, you're not going to have girls like bitching and complaining about it. I think someone must've complained and it must've been this whole me too movement. Uh, which is pretty frivolous at one point, you know, if I had to guess it was Alundra, Alundra blaze. If I had to guess would be the one that complained, you know, it's just people who see an opportunity to, to go onto the narrative that's out there in the media at that time. And then they just use that narrative to push their agenda and their, um, whatever they wish they could do out there. And that's great. You know, good. But the thing is, it just really, it ruins what it was. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I wish that it was back to the way it was before where you had a lot of the managers doing the cat fights and you had the little like even gang matches like that's when it was really yeah fun. And that's what people watch and they want to see. They don't want to see people just these girls all muscled out doing it. Jazz is just like a, she's her own thing. She's like her own like powerboat right there. Like right. she just could go. She can kick any guy's ass. Probably kick your ass too. Oh, I'm probably so. Jazz is, Jazz <laughs> like, is still like, really put together, like still to this you know, day. And she's been out, well, at least Hunter out WWE too. for a while. Yeah. April Hunter is another one. She's the only redhead I know. Um, I like Missy Hyatt. I like working with her a Missy, lot. And OG. She's another one. Yeah. And see, you saw, you talked about Miss Elizabeth. I can vividly remember when I was a kid one of the pay-per-views that I was ordered, it was, I think, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man versus Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. And at the end of it, Miss Elizabeth gets up on the apron and she rips off her dress. <laughs> and she's got like a bikini type thing on, but it's like red and sequiny. And when she does that, it's like out of nowhere. That had never happened before. From what I understand, Randy was like super ass jealous, but I guess he signed off on it. And she did this, and she's walking down the apron, and, like, Ted DiBiase doesn't know what to do. He's looking around. He's, like, you know, looking, and it's even got Andre the Giant, like, kind of looking around. And then they wind up getting a win over them. I think that was, like, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. But, like, back then, like you said, that meant something for that to happen. That was a big deal. Now, that's just, it is what it is. And, I mean, not taking anything away from any of these girls. They're great athletes. You know, it is what it is, but I'm like you. I think it kind of, it got so much of it that it didn't mean as much when it got on there. Like, I don't know who's wrestling women-wise and um, WWE. I know, I know about Charlotte Flair. Then I had a friend of mine, uh, Thea Trinidad, Rosita. She works there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you get like your four or five girls, whatever, and that's it. Or your four girls. or five, Yeah, and then your, your managers. And I think that it's, it's great to aspire to do things, but um, I think that it's just really... It's gone way overboard now. Yeah. Well, we're closing in on an hour here. I can't thank Ooh. you enough for stopping by the show. I've had a blast. You know, hopefully you'll come back later on. We can do it again because I yeah. can talk wrestling with with anybody and especially somebody that can hold the other end of the conversation. That makes it even better. And you're quite knowledgeable in that field and everything else. And I just can't thank you enough for stopping by the show here today. Yeah. And if you want, maybe we could pick a case and then go through it. If you want one to one day and that, that'd be a lot of fun. Cause I like doing stuff like that. I feel like 
there are too many girls doing crime podcasts that have no clue what they're talking about, but it's just cool and like edgy. But if you want to ever look into one case, I'll be more than happy to do that with you on the next one. For sure. Absolutely. And I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you one, if you haven't heard of it and you can write this down and look at it when we get off the air, because they just solved it. And for years, it's been one that's been crazy. It's called the Brandon Lawson case. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but what happened is Brandon Lawson And what happened was basically him and his wife got into a fight and he was going to his dad's to stay the night. Something happened at some point. He, he run into something. They don't know what. And he made a nine one one call and the nine one one call is available online. You can go on and listen to it. And he's basically saying that he run into somebody and somebody was chasing him. And then the phone call cut off and they never found him. They searched for years. This is like, I want to say maybe 10 years. And they just recently found him not far from where everything happened. But like his brother come out there and look for him. His truck was there and left. But basically he run up on somebody and nobody really knows exactly what happened. But the 911 call is just very strange because you can tell he's panicked. You can tell somebody's probably after him, but you can't really make out exactly what he's saying. When we when we get off this, you know, check that out. And that's definitely one that I would love to dive into. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'll definitely look into it for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on here. And let me know when this comes out. And don't forget, um, XPW Wrestling, Pomona, California, April 9th. So just got tickets at xpwwrestling.com or catch us on Fight TV. All right. And in our show notes, no problem at all. In our show notes, we will put a link to your podcast, Crazy Train, on there as well for people that want to go check that out. I am Hollywood Wade. This was the one and only Jasmine St. Clair. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Jasmine, thank you for stopping by the show. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Well, boy, oh boy, what an interview that was. And no fucks given for sure by Jasmine St. Clair as she had a very open and candid interview with Hollywood Wade here on Crime and Entertainment. Now, I'll tell you what. I had a blast filming this interview. Jasmine is just one of those people that's got a very vast knowledge. She's got a knowledge, obviously, of the porn industry. She was in there. She made her mark. But she can talk wrestling with the best of us. I mean, she knows a lot of the guys that was in there. She was in that business. You know, to go in there and wrestle with Jerry Lawler and the Dudley boys. And, you know, I don't give a damn what you might think about XPW and ECW, you know, in their day. But that had to be some living on the edge, fun, wild rock star type shit, man. Because what they were doing in there was unlike anything that anybody had ever seen on television. I mean, it was just, you know, push it to the limit. They had people jumping off scaffolds, getting thrown off scaffolds. I mean, just they took it to the extreme for sure. No doubt about it. Hence the name. And what we want to tell you guys is they're actually having a reunion tomorrow night. That's right. XPW is having their reunion tomorrow night. So that is why we're releasing this episode on Friday to go ahead and advertise that for them. Hopefully you guys, if you're around the area, can go ahead and purchase some tickets and go on out there and support the show. I'm sure it will be a hell of a show We're actually going to put a link to go ahead and purchase those tickets on our YouTube version of this video. So if you've not liked and subscribed to our YouTube page, please head on over to YouTube and do that at Crime and Entertainment. We would certainly appreciate it. Go ahead and hit that bell. That way you get notified when we do drop videos on our non-normal days like today when we're doing on a Friday. And you're probably going to be wondering Sunday where it's at. It's already been out, folks. You got to go on and listen. 
So, yeah, let's do that. Go over there, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Instagram, and we're on all the regular audio platforms, too, folks. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on the Stitcher app. The Stitcher app is a very good one. I keep telling people about that. You can go and you get that no matter what kind of platform or phone you have. If you've got an Android, if you've got an Apple, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. That will work on both, and it's strictly for podcasts. And you can go and get all of our back episodes and catch up from episode one all the way to this one right here, starring Miss Jasmine St. Clair. And I had a blast on this episode. I hope she comes back to the show. We can talk more wrestling. I can talk wrestling with the best of them, but she definitely can hold her end in the conversation, folks. No slouch in that. And she's got a ton of great more stories. Head on over there to her podcast, Crazy Train. And give her a like and a follow as well. She's got some really good stories on there. I've been binging some of her episodes when I have some free time. So really great stuff over there. We want to thank you guys for stopping by the show this week. I am Hollywood Wade. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So tune in next week for an all new episode of Crime and Entertainment.